0: Welcome to Pillar Church of Oceanside. My name is Trace. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here and uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be worshiping the Lord with you guys. Glad to be able to lift our voices together and man, it's just a good, it's a good thing. So just to kind of by way of review over the last month, we, we've kind of done something that we haven't done in a long time. Normally you would find us going through books of the Bible, you know, verse by verse and, and unpacking the truths that God has in his words in, in that manner. But we've been developing this sort of new preaching series as the Spirit has been leading us, and I think we've covered some some pretty important topics along the way. Um, and not by design, the Spirit is just giving us these things to be preaching on, and they're all building on top of each other. Like Mike had been preaching the last two weeks on something that he picked up on that that I had no idea what I was going to preach on. He knew what he was going to be preaching on way before I did. And the Holy Spirit is just really um, leading us in this way, and that's, that's an encouraging thing, I'm encouraged by it, and so what have we been preaching on over these last couple of weeks to kind of bring us back into um, sort of a, so we can move forward together, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, we, we've been reminded um, that change is um, difficult, that it is not comfortable, but that we're not called to be comfortable as Christians, yes? If you're bursting your bubble on that, I apologize. Um, rather do it now because it's going to be burst like probably ten or ten twelve ten or twelve times through the course of this next um, couple of minutes that we have together. We talked about needing to grow and mature in our faith, and specifically in this div- d- divisive sort of culture that we're living in right now. We talked about um, how we might love our enemies uh, more effectively as we're as we're running into more and more opportunities to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. In the same vein, we talked about um, realigning our hearts, recalibrating our focus, not settling for that nominal Christianity. Remember that sideline Christianity, just kind of being on the outside looking in and not really doing much to run the race that is set before us with an endurance. We're supposed to stay the course, right? Mike has been preaching on the gospel of the kingdom, explaining that how many kingdoms are coexisting right now. Two, we've got God's kingdom and we've got Satan's kingdom. So here's what I want to do. I just want to restate a couple of the thoughts from last week's sermon because what I'm going to do is is just pick up right where he left off. So here's, here's some quotes from last week. The gospel of the kingdom is more than just being saved as some understand it. It's about transferring your whole life under the lordship of King Jesus and that that would affect every area of your life. Upon conversion, our spirit is made new. Our outward self is still the same. As Mike reminded us, he's still the same dirtbag on the outside. But he's being changed as all of us that are new creations in Christ Jesus from the inside out. And at new birth, we switch allegiances from Satan's domain to God's domain. Yes? Does that sound familiar to you? Okay, if you weren't here last week, hopefully that still sounds familiar to you. And so it's been really encouraging uh, these last few weeks to see how God has been leading us together. So praise God for that. And here's what I want to do. I just want to pause briefly. I want to pray and ask for the Lord's help this afternoon before we dig in. Will you pray with me? All right, Father, we come to you right now. Grateful and thankful for the way in which you have been revealing yourself to us. Uh, As elders, as we we seek to know what it is that you have for your church in this season. It is a a unique time, Lord. And we don't want to just go on automatic pilot. Father, we want to be sensitive to what you're doing in your church. Specifically here in Oceanside, at Pillar Church of Oceanside. God, we ask that you would continue to lead us. That we would be good stewards of handling the word and handling the privilege of preaching week in and week out. Presenting the truth clearly. Proclaiming the truth Without apology, trusting in you, Spirit, to do the work of heavy lifting, of changing us from the inside out. Would you help us now to stay focused on you? God, we have got plenty of distractions to keep us from hearing the message today. I pray that, Lord, you would help us to focus in now. Direct our attention to your word. Father, you alone are worthy of all of our attention. And all that we have to give this evening, we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this afternoon we're going to move deeper into this idea of living in two opposing kingdoms, gods and satans. And what I want to do is I want to use a scripture that Mike used last week as sort of a bridge from what he was talking about to what I want to talk about this evening, and that is Colossians 1.3. You can turn there if you want. I'm just going to read it briefly, but you can turn there, mark it, write it down, whatever you want to do. Colossians 1.3, rather, says he has delivered us, he has delivered us. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and then transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So here's where this great transition takes place that we've been talking about. And this, of course, happens when we repent of our sins. We believe in the saving and redeeming work of Jesus on the cross. We profess genuine faith in Christ and then we are transferred into the kingdom of light. Yes, we can all agree on that. Awesome. Great. However, we still have some problems that we need to address. While we have been granted access to this new kingdom, and we have, the old kingdom is still a very real threat. We learned last week five or four ways, I should say, in which to live in God's kingdom. Mike told us we need to have faith. We need to follow Jesus. We need to realize Jesus knows that we're in any territory and he's equipped us for that battle. We need to live lives of active repentance. I encourage you to go back and listen to last week if you missed it. So I want to transition to today we're looking at this. The, the, the message I've titled is, When Kingdoms Collide. We're talking about what happens when these two kingdoms collide. And I think, now I know, every Christian regularly comes face to face with the reality we encounter as the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness collide in our lives. Why? Well, because we still have remnants of our old loyalties inside of us. And we have an ever increasing presence of our new identity in Christ. So then, how do we discern which is which? How do we keep from falling back into our old ways? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Hopefully, you have. So, the battle we face is spiritual, not something we can feel or touch. It's won or lost in the decisions that we make every single day. That spiritual battle is won or lost every day in the decisions that we make. But oftentimes it can be a little ambiguous what is what. And I think the reason why is because the closer we get to the line of these two kingdoms, the blurrier it gets. We need to develop some discernment. When these two lifestyles begin to overlap, and if we're honest, they overlap and we find ourselves a little bit closer to that edge more often than we care to admit. where things get a little bit blurry and you're not sure if you're being influenced by God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom, and you're not sure what is what. Anybody been in that territory before? Yep. Yeah, a few of you are honest. Just kidding. But not really. Here's the first thing. We need to remember, we have a real enemy, and he is a deceiver. A real enemy, indeed. Not one that we can see, like I said, in the flesh, but a spiritual foe to be reckoned with. And here's part of the challenge. He's good at what he does. He's good at what he does. And so, what does he do exactly? He lies. He lies. John 8, 44. You are your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I'm not sure it gets any clearer than that. (laughs) And being a liar, he is deceptive in that he masquerades around something as something that he is not. 2 Corinthians 11.14 tell us, tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. What does that mean? Well, in this context, it would be false teachers. Who seem to be preaching the truth, but have dangerously left out or added some aspect of the gospel that are unbiblical. So we need to be very careful of what we subject our ears and our heart to. And we always go to the Word of God as the ultimate source of truth. Even here, at this church, when you hear us preach, you should be going to your Bible and reading Is like, is that really what it says? We're called to do that, church. Peter tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring what? Lion, Lion seeking someone to devour. Now i got to ask you, what kind of enemy blows his cover by roaring out loud? I don't know. But let me ask you this. Who else do we know in the Bible that's referred to as a lion? Jesus. So here is Satan, again, attempting to deceive people by putting on a disguise in order to lower people's guards and lure them in only to devour them. Now that should cause some of you to perk up. Paul warns us and Timothy in both of his letters, that people will fall apart. They'll fall away. They'll depart from the faith in the last days. You can write these down. You can turn there quickly if you're fast. First Timothy four, 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Wow. Okay. 2 Timothy 4.3-4 for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears as they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Wow. So here in lies where we begin to discern which kingdom is which. Our enemy's message appeals to our, own, our old nature and desires. The message of our enemy appeals to our old nature and our old desires. Our selfish, me-focused lifestyles. Listen to that wording. Accumulate teachers to suit their own passions. They want to sit under teachings that make them feel good. What I want to hear. What makes me happy. What's best for me. This is what's going to happen to people in the end times. Because they will refuse sound teaching. And What's Paul's answer to all this? 2 Timothy 4, 5, and as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Peter uses the same language, sober-minded, focused on the Lord, his word, and his mission that is set before us. It's not about you. I'm sorry, not sorry, but it's not about you. And if that really hurts you and it offends you, then you might plug your ears for the next 10 or 15 minutes because this is going to hurt your feelings. Seek first your kingdom and what you want. That's what Matthew 6.33 says, right? Boo! Boo. Thank you for that. (laughs) Seek first his kingdom, right? Not yours. Which leads to the next point discerning which kingdom we're being influenced by. Not only do we have a real enemy whose desire is to lure us into dangerous spiritual territory, but we have a real king. And he is truth. Remember the enemy's message appeals to your old nature and desires. Our true king, Jesus' message, challenges you to be uncomfortable through spiritual growth and maturity. That's the message you're going to hear coming from your new king. His truth is transformative in nature. Look up or write down Psalm 19, 7 through 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That's the word of God. That's the truth that is encompassing the message of our new king. Now, sometimes this message, I'll grant you, is packaged in ways that we don't really want to hear Because we know it's going to be challenging to embrace them and stand firm in that truth. It's easier just to sit on the sideline and be a passive bystander in your own faith. Two problems with that. One, it's not what God wants. And two, it's exactly what Satan wants. He wants you on the sidelines, isolated, cut off from meaningful spiritual engagement with other believers. And that's where he begins to plant those seeds of doubt, confusion, laziness, indifference. We must begin to recognize these signals and push back against the enemy's deceitfulness. So Peter includes in his statement about the, enemy, the devil prowling around like a roaring lion. He says, resist him. Firm in your faith. Firm in your faith. This is where the battle begins. When we decide to stand firm in our faith, Which leads us to the next thing that we need to acknowledge. These two kingdoms are in constant battle within you. 1 Corinthians 2.12 tells us, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. That's 1 Corinthians 2.12. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Church, we have the Holy Spirit within us from the moment of salvation. Now this is very critical in what we're talking about today for at least two reasons. First, with the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us we have a tremendous power available to us. Did you know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that resides in you? Did you know that? That's tremendous. If you think about that, wow. The second reason we need to understand this is because the Holy Spirit dwells within us and desires us to grow and mature in Christ. A turf war has been waged. Waged, I should say. Galatians five seventeen. For the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the desires of the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Why? To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Wow. Denial is more than just a river in Egypt. Christians sometimes refuse to admit that this battle is going on inside of them. But it's happening every single day. Galatians 5 is clear. The flesh... A.K. your old desires, your old sinful nature, your old self-gratifying tendencies are out to keep you from doing the thing God has directed you to do. That's their whole purpose. Hmm. How many of you here know exactly what I'm talking about? A couple of you. Okay. we got to be ready to acknowledge this fact. All right, here's the next thing we need to understand. And this is the one that might sting a little bit. Your new citizenship in God's kingdom will cost you something every day. Yes, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. We switched our allegiances from the old into the new kingdom in Christ's kingdom. And that new citizenship is going to cost you something every single day. In order to walk in step with the spirit, be led by the spirit, not gratify the desires of the flesh. We've got to make some decisions that will cost us something. Now, what do I mean by that? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. Look at Luke 9:23. Luke 9:23. And he says all oh, This is Jesus speaking. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now it's probably a familiar verse for, for many of you here. It's the heart of what will be costly in your Christ kingdom citizenship. Deny yourself? What is that? It's not something this world's going to teach you. Not at all. But what is it? It is to push back against your fleshly desires and stand firm in your faith. Well, how do we do that? Jesus tells us, take up your cross. In other words, crucify your flesh. Put to death those old tendencies and desires. It means making the decision to kill the sin in your life. Have you ever referred to your sin like that? Killing your sin? What do you think taking up your cross daily means? Crucifying something means putting it to death. What are we putting to death? The sin in our lives. That's what Jesus is talking about. It means putting your hands around the neck of lust and fear and anxiousness and pride and squeezing the life out of it. Because you know what? If you don't do this, who's going to do it for you? No one. No one is going to do it for you. Okay, then how do we do this? Well, Look up, this time I'll give you a chance to get there. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Starting at verse 22. Ephesians four twenty-two, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old, put on the new. Again, maybe a familiar concept to you. But look at Romans thirteen fourteen. Paul, again. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh, to gratify its desires. So by putting off the old, literally resisting the enemy and his temptations to draw you back into sin, you're pulling the rug out from underneath him. Paul says, if you do this, you give no provision for the flesh and gratify its desires. You're making no provision for the enemy when you stand firm in your faith and you put on the old, you take off the old you put on the new. And this is where That power, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, comes into place. Because you're not doing it in your own strength. At least you won't do it successfully. It's with His full power and your full reliance on Him, His Word, and the people around you. So how often do we make this decision? Every day, oftentimes, moment by moment. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to blow it. You're going to give in to this and satisfy the desires of your flesh. Just acknowledge it's going to happen. Don't say, okay, then it must be cool if I do that. No problem. No, that's not what I'm saying. Don't accept it as being okay, but acknowledge that it's going to happen. And when it does, God's mercy that's new every day... And his grace that cannot be exhausted will be there for you. So you repent, you believe in the gospel again, and who you are in Christ, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. But it will cost you something every day to do that. So Jesus gives us another clear message. You can turn in your Bibles again to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 26, Luke fourteen twenty-six. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the costs, whether he has enough to complete it? any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple that's pretty extreme language that Jesus uses isn't it almost overwhelming but the point Jesus is making here is that as his disciples we must be willing to sacrifice every possession every relationship And perhaps even life itself. That we would be willing to do it. That's not a promise that you're going to have to give up every single thing. But are you willing to? That's what Jesus is after here. I think if we were in a room at some point during that, the air might have been sucked out of it. But we're outside because we're okay. But here is the true reality of being a disciple of Jesus. Because there's only one way... To truly follow after Jesus. And that is all in. You're all in. No matter how difficult it may be or what it may cost you. Yikes. Okay. If you're still in Luke 14, look back to verse 14. Thankfully, Jesus gave us a little bit of something there to to help us. Luke 14, 14. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. In other words, Jesus is saying, There is no cost that you can pay in following me that won't be repaid to you, made up to you a hundredfold in the life to come. Any price you pay will pale in comparison to what you will reap in the next life. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, I understand. I mean, that is a beautiful promise from God, but it can be difficult to hold on to that promise when you're in the trenches of being a disciple of Jesus, yes? Yeah, it's easy to lose sight of those things. So when the kingdoms are colliding all around you, and they will every day, and you're being tempted and deceived toward your old kingdom loyalties, remember What we've learned here today. We do have a real enemy. And he's a deceiver and he's good at it. And his message is always going to appeal to your old way of thinking. That's how you know you're being lured away. But we also know that our new king is truth. His word directs us and his spirit empowers us to stand firm. And remember that our new citizenship in God's kingdom will cost us something every single day. And if we're not the ones killing the sin in our lives, nobody else is going to do it for you. And it remains. The cost of being a disciple of Jesus is high. But so is the reward. So what do we do? and we just go all in. We go all in. Because being lukewarm is the worst, most uncomfortable, miserable place that you can be. With one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. You can't sustain that. Why would you want to? Because it feels good. And it's easy. Unless you're honest. About what it is that you're trying to do and follow after Jesus and being his disciple. It's going to cost you something every day. Go all in. And I can tell by the looks on your face that you're done listening to me because that was a hard message to listen to and I get it. But I love you, so I'm going to tell you that. Every day. Are you willing to pay what it's going to cost? And are you ready to recognize that it's worth every bit of investment in God's kingdom? Because it is. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would begin to do the work in us that that is required for us to be okay with everything that we just talked about this evening it's it's difficult lord god to understand how you love us and how you demand things of us and how you challenge us to grow but I, lord i just i pray everyone here myself included begins to understand and recognize with with greater clarity and increasing confidence, Lord, that you are worthy of all of it. You are worth everything that we might be called to pay. And yes, there are days and seasons where we will just enjoy the riches of your blessings and it will be like this incredibly wonderful experience. And praise God for those seasons and other times, Lord, it's going to be challenging. And running the race with endurance will be hard and difficult and and sometimes feel like it's not worth it. God, in those moments which you... Remind us through your Holy Spirit, through your word, and through these people that we have around us that are investing in us to to stir us up and to to spur us on to to good deeds and good works. For your glory, for your namesake, not for us. God, that we might run the race every day until that last day, Lord, when we're called before the King of Kings give an account for everything that we've done, Lord, and that you would say, well done, good and faithful servants, and that we would reap the benefits and the rewards of being a citizen of of your kingdom. Holy Spirit, would you help us in this process and in this journey? For we love you, we thank you, we ask all of this, Lord, in Jesus' name.